You yeah. could also choose to blame Mike for it because after his Packers loss, he immediately jumped and said, I'm full go on the Bills. And then from that <laughs> point on, it was downhill for Buffalo that full day. He, he brought, he brought hey. that negative. I said it was like it was good news, too. I'm like, good news, fellas. I'm on board. Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's Unsportsmanlike Convo. Right! Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? January 26th <laughs> in the house. It feels like it's been a long time. Let my hair growing out. It's, uh, what do you think? Outstanding. Well, I mean, I don't hate it. You don't hate it? <laughs> no, I don't hate it. It's, it's uncomfortable, but I don't hate it necessarily. Oh, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable wearing it too. <laughs> Are those, uh, are those glasses your glasses? Because they're actually too nice for the wig kind of thing. Yeah, these are actually uh, my glasses. Do I? Lovely. Yeah, I figured I'll uh, put them on. And just, I, I'd look even worse without them when I have the wig on. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we're ready for a uh, Friday night uh, thing. I don't even know if I'm supposed to say anything. Anyway, so we need some wigs and some... <laughs> some costume accessories. So we got this and just brought it up to me today to give it a shot. And I figured throw it on you know i like it i class up the joint a little bit tonight with the old mullet you look like one of those guys from uh slap shot yeah the hansen brothers yes could be i get a foil on my uh my knuckles all right let's get right into it um we got a bunch of things on the go i want to take a couple minutes to uh, uh to shadow some birthdays today my brother-in-law, Tony, turns 50, so a huge uh, birthday for him. Uh, a brother from another mother, Dave Azzi, is 40 yesterday. So uh, shout-out to Dave. Happy birthday. A puppy. A puppy. Right? A good buddy of mine. He's not even 40 yet. Evan Margulies uh, down in Boston. Uh, we're going to get him on the show at some point, too. He's got some pretty good stories. He played at uh, Kansas State, and uh, he ruined with, like, Jordy Nelson and stuff back then. So it was kind of cool. And then, uh, obviously, uh, those who have birthdays today share a birthday with the Wayne Goretzky, the great one who is 60 today. Which, actually, <laughs> some of the old pictures, I think he's got locks very similar to this. He does. Actually, yes, his first few years in the league. <laughs> yeah. Red little young rebel. Little young rebel, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, somebody posted something today and said uh, he never had style, but he was the best uh, hockey player ever. Um, last week we had some technical issues um, that really started the show off horribly, and uh, just wanted to make sure and and uh, hopefully uh, everything goes smoothly today. Um, I'd like to apologize. To apologize. Absolutely nobody. It's my favorite, my favorite <laughs> clip. Um, he obviously didn't say that this weekend because we're coming off a of UFC 257 where uh, Connor got knocked out by uh, Dustin Diamond Poirier uh, in the first, uh, no, second round, I think it was. Anyway, uh, watched the fight, pretty good, slugfest back and forth. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you watched it or not, did you? No, I saw highlights, second round knockout, uh, but you know. Inactivity, right? You got to stay active in that sport, otherwise you get rusty. Yeah, that's. I think. Did you just quote Conor McGregor? Because that's exactly what he blamed it on. 
Who? Was Conor McGregor? Was McGregor? I got to stay active in this yeah. thing, so I'm going to be fighting again, and I got to you know shake the rust off. All right. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Hey, the UC is going to be part of the No Holds Barred show this Sunday, 7 p.m. Tune in, Cap City Beach, 7 p.m. on Sunday. We're joining the No Holds Bar crew where we're going to talk the uh, Super Bowl and they're going to do some trivia. Uh, I already got the first answer wrong because I thought, I said, why is it Sunday at 7? Is that not in the middle of the Super Bowl? And uh, Pierre was very quick to tell me that the Super Bowl is in two weeks, not one, so I already got that one wrong. Uh, Other than that... um, that's all I got to start with. Let's get into some football talk. Do you have anything going, Pep? No, let's uh, let's get her into it there. Uh, let's want, actually, you know what? We, should we pay a bill first before we? Yeah, let's do that. OttawaMortgageShop.com, a new and modern experience with access to 40 different lenders. Let them customize the best mortgage solution for your specific needs. Offering a five-star service, one client at a time. Shop local with the Ottawa Mortgage Shop. OttawaMortgageShop.com. Make sure when you reach out to them, you tell them the Brock and Pep sent you, and he'll make sure you guys get the best rates. He's always going to make sure you get the best rates, but... Um, if you're looking, I mean, the rates are at an all-time low right now. So for those who are looking to refinance or if you got a new place or whatnot, uh, reach out to uh, Auto Mortgage Shop and, and get a quote at least. You won't be disappointed. Okay, let's bring on our guest who we've had for the last few weeks in a row. We were trying to roll that momentum, and uh, unfortunately it came to an end. So there's a little bit of a different persona today. Welcome, Ron Rico from Buffalo Fanatics in the house. How you doing? Fellas, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. It was, uh, we, got the, we got that Undertaker music. <laughs> give it to me, man. I don't have I don't the Undertaker know. music. I don't think we do. You can do me dirty like that. But uh, good afternoon, good evening, fellas. How are you guys doing? Not bad. Hey, it's listen, a great weekend oh, of football good. that we had. But obviously, you know, I was really looking forward. We were all looking forward to you coming back on the show and and really just riding it into the the next couple of weeks Boy, and getting excited, I, man. I, I, I would have been a hot mess. You guys would have not been able to continue. That, that is for sure. But now I've got to try to keep that same energy um, and, and really look at the positives. Um, and, and the positives outweigh the negatives. But it, it sucks, man. It, it's like we were just completely outclassed, outcoached, uh, outplaymaked, if you will. I mean, that's not even a word, but you know what I mean? You get what you catch the drift. Um, but uh Good year, a good solid, a great year, a great year nonetheless. Great year nonetheless. Look, it's, it's as far as I'm concerned, um, you guys, it's his first first taste of success in a long, long time beyond uh, the first round, right? But uh, I thought that you guys lack a little bit of div- uh, diversity on offense that I thought you guys actually had, but we may be wrong because. Uh, Josh Allen didn't take what the defense was giving him. And I think that's a, a matter of like Cole Beasley playing on one leg, a lack of a really dynamic tight end. And John Brown's just not that slot guy. John Brown's going to up, go up the field. So I think you guys are lacking that, that, that intermediate to short guy that, that is Cole Beasley. But you know how it is. This time of year, okay, those slot guys get beat up all year. All year, 
I mean, they're a slot for a reason. They're lined up against a linebacker. It's, it's a it's a mismatch. And when they do catch the ball, they're getting getting nailed by a free safety or a strong safety down at the knees. Come week 16, week 17, week 18, those slot guys are beat up. So do you think that they need to improve that area of the field? They they absolutely do. And and you're you're right in a sense of uh, to, to the point where like we lacked certain things. We've we've lacked this all year round. This this hasn't changed. We've lacked this all year round. The 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 difference was we had a quarterback that masked those situations, those uh, those areas. So when Josh is not at his complete best, then that's when you're going to start seeing the lack of firepower that we have at tight end. Tight end has been an issue all year. He's Dawson Knox has been inconsistent, dropping footballs, missing blocks. Like there's there's many there's there are many blemishes. Uh, with the likes of of, uh, of Dawson Knox at tight end, we had Tyler Croft. Do you guys even remember who Tyler Croft is? He was the he was the tight end that was with, for the Bengals for crying out loud. And then we brought him in. We paid him a boatload of money, and he was inactive, healthy scratch often. And so we we never had any firepower at at tight end. Let's move over to John Brown. John Brown, and I can I can understand. I like John Brown. John Brown is a, is a solid receiver, but he's forever going to be a number two receiver maybe number three and there's reasons why arizona was like nah we're good baltimore was like nah we're good and then buffalo was like all right we'll bring you one for cheap fine he had a great year thousand yard season but like when you look at what he does it's intermediate route running uh, not bad going up for like a contested catch forget about it he's not doing that for you so one trick pony so the only true threat that we had on at receiver stefan Diggs, and that's where it proved so with 1500 yards uh, 100 plus catches, 100, you know, what I mean, 120 plus catches. There is a reason for it, um, but like it's the lack of running game at the end of the day that we don't have. Devin Singletary has been underwhelming. Zach Moss, uh, over, 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 overrated, uh, in my opinion. And there's a few things that we've got to handle. Simple as that. When you don't have a run game, and we've talked about it multiple times throughout our last few shows, if you don't have a run game that is clicking, you have Mm. to create a run game, create a running threat. And the Bills have that ability because of their quarterback. And to me, you know, he had some success later. Yes, KC's probably playing in a little bit, you know, uh, softer defense and opening some of those holes. But Josh Allen is 250 pounds. You can run the ball. And if you don't have your first read, the coverages were very tight. KC did a very good job on those receivers. And Allen is not at a point where he's – okay, I don't want to say he's not at a point, but he's still got to see a receiver open or see some space versus being able to trust his guys. Diggs – is probably the exception to that rule, but everybody else he's throwing guys that he sees open. And if you, especially when they're wearing those big red jerseys, don't see any space, he's not throwing that ball. And as soon as he doesn't make that decision, he's got to go. You got to manufacture runs and positive yards. And I still felt that Josh Allen left some stuff on the table in that sense, because he takes that dual threat away um, from the, the scheme that, that the defense has to take into consideration. I would have liked to have seen him. You know what? And I have the same issue with, with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is nowhere near the athlete that Josh Allen is in terms of running right. the ball. But that same thing where it was like, you know what? 
I have the, you have the ball in your hand. You're the quarterback. You have it every single play. If the play's not there, you got to make something happen. So, Josh, I expect you go downhill. You know, you get pressure on the outsides, hit up, and at least get three yards. Don't be sacked for 15, 16 yards where he's trying to stiff arm a defense alignment. And you know what I mean? Like things like that that still bothers me. He's got to be able to use those legs as much as we want to make sure that he's a, he improves on his passing and makes the, best, the right reads and is an actual quarterback. In playoffs, it's do or die. You got to win or you go home. And if your receivers aren't there, you can't just say that's what it is. I have the ability to make yards and get positivity out of these things. Let's go. You know what? You're you're not wrong. And by the way, great take. Great take. That was hot. That wig <laughs> is everything right now. Uh, I, 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 will, I will say this, though. Um, Josh has these moments where he tries to do too much, where he tries to put the whole team on his back, stiff arm, 300-pound lineman, and he does it. Yeah, he's huge. Right? But but the, it's not sustainable to do that all the time when you don't get your first read, right? So And that's what they did. There was super tight coverage. I was actually very surprised uh, at the uh, what Kansas City was able to do to our receivers, man. They, they were tight, and they were not letting us have any room, which is weird because that's what we excel in. One-on-one, it's over with. We're going to get you. But they had the better matchup uh, with us. Now, when it, come, when it comes to Josh Allen, um, Dude, you, what you were saying was he he lacks anticipatory throws, right? And mm-hmm. that was the case maybe last year. This year he was much better. Just this game was just not for him. Today we chose the wrong game to just become just to be average. That's exactly what we were average at best, and we chose the wrong game to do that. And yo, listen, I gotta tip my hat off to Kansas City. I thought we could play with Kansas City. I was excited to play Kansas City, but. That game proved to us that we are far away. We're close, but yet far away. Um, and there's a, there's a few things that we have to hit up this offseason, man. But oh, look, like, my, like the Facebook user just said, Buffalo definitely should be proud. Bills fans all over the place should be extremely proud of what the accomplishments. Yo, ring that thing. Keep going, man. We should be extremely proud of what the Bills have done this year, man, because sweeping the division, AFC champs, 13-3, and three, having a Pro Bowl quarterback, uh, number one receiver, like there's a lot of things that you would have never been able to do in one sentence and mention Buffalo, and we were able to do that this year. So, yo, tip the old cap to my oh, team. yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And look, they're so they're young. This is like, um, this is their first real experience. I mean, they went in, I had a feeling it was going to be this kind of game because they look so, almost too jacked, almost too amped up. And you know, Kansas City was laser focused, and they like we've been here before. Buffalo goes back next. Next year, they're going to learn from their mistakes, and we'll see what happens. It'll be a different ball game, but I do think Buffalo needs to get more diverse, certainly in the run game like you guys discussed. But, sure. uh, but really, they need to improve, I think, on that, that those secondary guys. Gabe Davis needs to make a step, take a step forward. Um, you know, Cole Beasley, he played on a broken fibula for three weeks. Crazy. Dude, like, crazy. That, that's worthy of a cast for most people. So incredible stuff. Um what do they need to improve on defensively in the offseason? Defensive front, the defensive line. No question about it. We we had $50 million tied up in that defensive line. Mario Addison is getting paid over $10 million. Jerry Hughes is getting paid over $10 million. Mario, oh, Mario Butler. Um, you got Butler, excuse me, um, getting paid some hefty money. Like, there's a lot of money tied into that defensive line. And did you see? Like, I'm looking at the statistics right now. We had no... Hardly any pressure on Pat Mahomes. 
number one. We had what? A couple QB hits. We had, uh, um, that's it, three QB hits. That's it. You want to win? We had one sack. You want to win against Kansas City? You can't just let this guy just sit there and chill and just survey the field and hit anything he wanted because that's exactly what he did. When you have guys like Travis Kelsey, which is an amazing tight end, 13 catches, I don't care how good he is, man. You put a, you put a double-team plan for Charles, uh, for Kelsey and at least let one guy go off, but you can't let Hill and Kelsey go off. You can't. Well, that's, win that way. that's what I was thinking at halftime from a, an adjustment standpoint from Buffalo. Defensively, they got to get in there and say, you know what? Whatever happens the rest of the game, I don't care. But Kelsey and Hill are not touching the ball again. They're not doing it. And so if it's, it's you, six on Hill, five on Kelsey, I don't care. But these two okay. are not going to catch the ball and burn us again because they were open constantly every single time. Buffalo's problem is that they tried to scheme defensively as a whole, which I can respect to a point if they think they have it. The problem is Andy Reid and um, Biennemi are awesome, and I would really like to see Buffalo's offensive coordinator, whoever it happens to be, start to study these guys and say, you know what? Josh Allen, our our offensive line are getting beat. We got to run some... some, um, misdirection stuff that slows the defense down, that opens things up. That's why when you say Mahomes, he wasn't just back there sitting back and and, and the O-line giving him five, six seconds to do it. It's there's so much eye candy, like they said, I think the announcers called it that, yeah. and say, you know what, where we just don't know where the ball is going, that things open up really quickly. The whole, like, drop back and go, and that's the same issue I had with watching Aaron Rodgers and, and the Packers. The rush was getting upfield, and their O-line couldn't, couldn't just sit there and block a straight-up rush. You got to start mixing up your plays and, you know, short passes, this kind of stuff. Get into some sort of rhythm. Create opportunities that otherwise would not be there. And I think that Andy Reid should put on a clinic over the offseason and be enemy and say, you know what, we're inviting all the offensive coordinators. You're going to pay a lot of money to be here, but you're going to learn from us because this is the, the wave of the future, in my opinion. It's very, I, I love it. It's very much like college. It's very much, you know, all these different moving pieces and the creativity and all the stuff that I generally hate about the NFL versus college. Andy Reid and those guys do awesome in Kansas City. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go further than that because you mentioned something about the running game and, and Airbnb and what, what they were able to do with their eye candy. Dable, Dable this year, if you notice that we we were rarely running the ball, and I and it was by design. I was wondering why, because we had the same running back from last year that rushed for 775 yards in 12 games played. So I was expecting way more. But looking at the statistics, two things I'm going to tell you guys. Looking at the statistics, we were fourth in the league in protecting the quarterback in pass blocking, right? Fourth. We were 31st in run block. We're 31st in run block, so we weren't able to um, to able to do that. So at the end of the day, what it comes down to is we chose analytics over what we do best. And he chose, and he went with going on first and second down. That was where we were going to have the most success, and no teams were doing it just yet. So that's what he chose to do. So we chose the pass over the run, and that killed us when we really needed it the most in the AFC Championship game. Sucks. Yeah, and I think uh, I just think I'm going back to what I said earlier. I think Josh Allen just didn't take what the defense gave him either. Like there was that middle of the field was wide open 
like 80% of the game, but he was taking those shots downfield. And I get it. Big arm. He's had success with digs. But if he would have just taken the, the uh, what the defense gave him, uh, the, the short intermediate pass was there all day, and he didn't take it. And uh, I thought that cost him because it was they needed to control the clock. They needed yep. to win the time of possession, and they did not. It was nope. 9-0, and it felt like it was like 100-0 at that point, and all of a sudden Kansas City went on a run. At this time of year, I th- people don't understand how it's a war of attrition by the, by the Super Bowl. Wh- wh- whoever's left standing. I mean, there's a reason why Kansas City gets Pringle and Marcus Robinson and uh, and uh, Hardman and like they just loaded. And then they saw people are wondering why they signed Bell. They got Williams and they got because it's a war of attrition. And it's no coincidence that Tampa is the other team in the Super Bowl. And they've gone out and they, I mean, they had Evans and uh, Godwin and Gronk and OJ Howard and Brayton. Well, why the hell are they going and getting uh, Antonio Brown? Because it's a war of attrition. And right. these teams are now healthy. They're all loaded and ready to rumble. So we got, I think we got the two best, healthiest teams playing in the Super Bowl, which should be entertaining. But uh, I really do think Buffalo is trending up. And they just need to get a little more diverse at the tight end position. And, and God, a running game. A running game would help. A run it, look, we're in the same boat as Pittsburgh. They're in the same boat as Pittsburgh. Any kind of run, any kind of running game would have helped. Which hey, I don't understand because you guys have James Conner. I love James Conner. What's going on with that dude? He's average speed. Doesn't have a lot of moves. He's got a spin move, but he's, I mean, he's not the fastest guy. And he's not that elusive. So a great right. story, great comeback story. You know, the whole, yeah. you know, surviving cancer. Like, it's a good story. A Pittsburgh boy. I mean, he's a good guy, hard worker, but at the end of the day, you know, he's he can't stay on the field. So, um, what do you what are you thinking for this uh, for the Super Bowl here? What's what's your what's your gut feeling? Why did you have to ask me that? I mean, I got it. We, we, I, I got it. I haven't I haven't turned the radio on. I have not listened to like I usually on my way to work. I jump, I throw on a serious satellite and I listen to the NFL. I have not. I put my music on. I'm so zoned out when it comes to when it comes to the freaking Super Bowl. Like, listen. I have a great love for Pat Mahomes because I was like, yo, that is the quarterback that I enjoy. Um, and as as a minority, and the stigma on minority quarterbacks can't do this, that, and the third, he's doing it all. He's throwing, he's running, he's doing all that stuff. I root for him, but I don't like Pat Mahomes anymore. I am not a fan. <laughs> he is in the category of Tom Brady, and now I got to choose between Tom Brady and Pat Mahomes? I would rather call. My goodness, but you would rather who? What's that? You would rather who? I'd rather, I'd, honestly, I'd rather Tom Brady win it. And I'll tell you why I'd, I'd rather Tom Brady. I, I've admired Tom Brady. And the thing is, when I say I don't like Pat Mahomes, it's, it's because it's a great deal of respect, right? Because the guy's just a baller. And same with Tom Brady. But because Tom Brady is out of the AFC and he's gone to the NFC and he's been able to do what he's been doing, his and Super Bowl, fam, you got to give it to Tom Brady, man. And I don't want, just because Pat Mahomes won it, like last year, I can't have that again. Man, give it to Tom Brady and just be done, and now let Tom Brady retire and be done, and then we come back for Kansas City. So I hate to even freaking root for Tom Brady, but why not? Why not? He says, "Why not?" Get seven. Not? That's fine. Whatever. Uh, okay. That's what it is, man. <laughs> well, uh, I know Pierre, your uh, Super Bowl uh, prediction question wasn't quite answered the way you thought it was going to be. Do you have a prediction for the Super Bowl? That's might be oh, a little I, I, better. I think I, I, yeah, I think the, uh, <laughs> I really do think the chiefs are unstoppable at this point. I think, uh, 
We, you know, you saw Brady's been a tale of two halves all year. One good half, one not so good half, and he's done it all year. If he can put together a whole game, I mean, Brady, the first half of the Green Bay game, he was, I mean, they were really, really tight. Like, good offense, good mix. Uh, it was a 50-50 run, ballot, run pass balance. I mean, they had it going. And the second half, it was completely opposite. I mean, three interceptions, uh, didn't really have a, a run game. I mean, I think that was Green Bay adjusting at halftime, but... Uh, I, I think Kansas City is just too strong. Um, I'd like to see Tom Brady win win one because it it, it it gives hope for us old guys for whatever whatever we want to do in our life. He gives us hope, but uh, I just I just don't see it. I don't see there's just too much going on in Kansas City uh, in terms of weapons. So I think Kansas City it's going to be a 30, 31 to to twenty one something in that ballpark. Listen, I, before before uh, my man Brock jumps in. I don't think Tom Brady is going to win this one. I would rather him win it, but Kansas City is just too much. Travis Kelsey cannot be stopped. He can't. And and then you got a guy like Travis. Listen, Hill is so problematic. Right now the conversation by reading my Twitter is like one of the best receivers in the league. And I know this is because the hype is real. One of the best receivers in the league, He's you fear him. No matter what. Did you see what he did? He caught the ball on a, just a regular crossing route, stops on a dime, goes upfield, stops again, takes a left, takes it up another 50. Like, come on, man. Like, that stuff is unfair. When you look at this damn Chiefs offense, McCall Holman that could run the ball. Like, the enemy has got, like you said, eye candy. There's just too much for that that up, up and down defense in Tampa. They're up and down. Same with Tom Brady. That defense is up and down. How I know? Because I had them on fantasy. Fantasy football told me everything, man. It was like, what? Like, yeah, good games, yeah, bad games. Um, so mm-hmm. Kansas City should win this game. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I'll tell you that right now. It's going to they're going to they're going to surpass forty points. That that's my. It's going to be like 40-28, something of that nature, for for the the Chiefs. But I'd rather not have ten, freaking the Chiefs win it. I just don't. He's don't want at homes, man. Oh, that dude irks me. I apologize. I digress. Brock, hey, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm on board with, uh, with the chiefs. I, I kind of went back and forth as to who I would rather see win. You know, do I want to see Tom Brady win with another team, the team being at home, you know, the bucks have had a, you know, a, a fairly decent drought since uh, Warren Sapp days. Um, you know, I, but I really can't, I just, I respect Kansas city's offense. I, I love Andy Reed. I love that kind of story. The guy, is so smart, can't figure out how to wear a face mask for the life of him, but he's just charismatic, you know, eating cheeseburgers after games, like just a player's coach. There's, you know, videos of him grabbing the GoPro from his players so that he can videotape them together and stuff like that. Like, you know, they, they refer to him like a proud father. And um, I just, I really like his aura and the energy. Mahomes, you know, it's the new talent. I love seeing that. Kelsey, I've had him on my fantasy team for years, so I've, you know, been going for as trash as he is. Um, not on the football field, just in general from what seems to be the off-field stuff. But anyway, like, he is, again, it's unstoppable. The Bucs defense played very well against Green Bay. They had an up game. Are they going to be able to keep up with with Kansas City? I don't think so. I don't think that the Bucks defense is any better than the Buffalo defense. Nor are, is their scheme yeah. there. So they have better those again. JPP and Shaq Barrett had a game and a half on the weekend with the pressure that they were putting on Aaron Rodgers. The Packers uh, O line injuries really showed their face. So if you have a Bakhtiari taking Pierre Paul away, 
You know, I think there's a different story there. But again, from a an Aaron Rodgers standpoint, watching him, I felt like, I mean, even the close-ups of his face, I'm like, it doesn't even seem to be necessarily into it. And then the third down play where he's got an opp- opportunity to run and to like will his way into the end zone or at least say it's going to be a fourth and two and he doesn't take it. He throws to like Adams in double coverage and then he's upset they kick field goals. Anyway, that like whole aura of that team just didn't sit well whatsoever. Kansas City, love them. Um, love them. I love that aura with Andy Reid and stuff and, and that's kind of who I'm leaning towards. As much as I'm like, ah, oh, you don't see history and Brady get his seventh and with a different team. There's a Canadian, you know, uh, Anthony O'Claire is a tight end from Laval who's on Tampa. So you kind of... Um, you know, maybe hope for that kind of stuff, but um, I think I'm leaning towards Kansas City. This is Tom's tenth Super Bowl. Yeah. Tenth. That's crazy. I mean, that is that is. I mean, I don't even Bill Russell. Like that's we're talking Bill Russell era here. This is who anybody else like uh, LeBron's been to LeBron James. I guess would be LeBron's the next, been next to next ten. Year. Yeah, him and Brady I mean, since whatever it was, two thousand and whatever. Guys, that's incredible. <laughs> LeBron in, in never it. threw three picks before getting the Super Bowl, did he? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, I'll tell you this, though. In, in the era of parody and all this, you know, and the leagues wanting to be, you know, um, uh, have everybody on a level playing field, to make 10 finals or 10 Super Bowls is just remarkable. Like, it's, it is it is next-level stuff. It's crazy, yeah, Agreed. Run sports, man. Look, look, look this, is, this is how crazy sports is. We are enamored with all the things that are happening right now, like, Sports is, I'll tell you right now, man, sports, having these sports has taken uh, our minds off a lot of this, the, the silliness and the craziness that's going on uh, around the globe. So uh, having this outlet to just forget about all these other things is amazing. 100%. That's a perfect segue. I want to ask you before we, Brock and I, uh, send you on your way, unless Brock has any yeah. more questions for you. Um, uh, Kobe Bryant, your favorite yeah. memory. Ooh, Kobe Bryant, favorite memory. You know what? I'm, 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 I'm such a, uh, I'm a softy when it comes to to kids and stuff like that. I have three girls myself, so I Kobe Kobe was was my favorite like of all time. So like when he when he passed, it, Jake, it, it gutted me hardcore. Like I teared, I teared, I cried. I'm not even I'm not even gonna front. I did. And anytime that I see uh, moments of him uh, and his family and his wife and his kids gets me every single time every single time so that for me memories of kobe when he's with his kids and having a good old time sports wise dude you name it that last championship with meta world peace and that with paul gasol amazing but one one uh fun uh memory that i have of kobe bryant is that commercial with Jalen rose i love every (laughs) single time best commercial ever every single time when he says uh, give me 81 olives. It's a joke just for him. Yeah. <laughs> I die every single time. Best memory. I like that. And Jalen Rose's face, he was so perfect with it. Um, I got a quick a quick take on this. Yeah. Uh, today's the anniversary of, of Kobe Bryant's passing, unfortunately. One year ago today. Uh, a few months later, a buddy of mine uh, who played basketball in Ottawa, Rod Lee, played for University of Ottawa back in the early 90s, he sent a photo. His kid was at a, at that camp that they were flying towards, flying to different mm. practice. His kid was yep. there with with Zach Randolph's kid, uh, former Nick, former yep. Grizzly, former Portland Trail Trailblazer. He took a picture of 
uh, with Zach Randolph and their, both their daughters at this camp wait, waiting for Kobe to arrive with Gianna just maybe like an hour before they actually arrived. So I thought it was, it was chilling. Um, he had sent it to yeah. a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine sent it to me and the, it was just, it was chilling. It was, it, I, I teared up too. It was a very oh, emotional day. I'm a huge basketball fan. Kobe's yeah. last game where he's, we dropped 60 against Utah was Dude. like, and it was like a playoff game, even though they were out of the playoffs. So uh, yeah. I just wanted to get your, your uh, favorite memory because he's, he was so, uh, you know, in, inspiring and, Oh, all man. that stuff. I know Brock and I both had a we had a podcast, a whole podcast on it. I think uh-huh. so. It affected us for sure. But anyway, thanks for sharing. No man, that that Kobe is like that's my guy, man. You have no idea. Like like the wife and I talk about this all the time. Before I take off, we talk about this all the time. Where it's like, well, we'll sit there and be like, yo, what celebrity or athlete or actor, actress, whatever that if something were to happen to them, like you tear up right off the bat and. There, there are several that you'd be like, oh, my goodness. And Kobe was one that I, we never expected to happen. We wanted to see him at every All-Star game and this, that, and the third. And when this suddenly happens, and on top of that, it's a, it's craziness. But, yeah, yeah. I've had so yeah. many damn memories of this guy, man. Be- to me, best player of all time. I don't care what anybody says. Jordan, no. Kobe's my guy. I might be biased. 20 yeah, seasons. Hey, man. It's not a bad choice if you're going with that. No. Hey. Let's go. <laughs> oh man yeah anyway there's a lot of uh thoughts rushing there from our podcast and you know when you oh, say no. you, you you never expect it from Kobe it's because he's so young he came in so young mm-hmm. he's like he's younger than us and you, you're watching him go through his whole career he's retired and then you know it, it just didn't seem like he was even close to being done within life so yeah basketball was done and he was arguably one of the best players ever but he wasn't yeah. finished, like, knocking it out of the park no, in terms started. of, you know, just with business, uh, you know, like, like TV stuff, all that. Yeah. And he's about to start his second life with coaching his girls, and he's got young ones, all girls. Like, you have no idea. Like, I, 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 I'm not sure if you guys have, have any children, but, um, like, having three young girls that are looking up to their pops, like, I can only imagine if something were to happen, how devastated they would be, Right. And that's the that's that that dynamic. So when you see stuff like that, you're like, man. Mm-hmm. So like almost the whole world is now adopting these this family, uh, these kids, right? So they're gonna be looking out for the Natalia and and Gigi and excuse me and uh, Coco, like the whole the whole crew, man. They're gonna be looking uh, looking out for them like their whole lives. So that's that's how much Kobe has impacted the world, which is insane. But hey, that's that he's left a legacy. And his Laker, his Laker career, is, it's not like he jumped ship to other teams and to, to win ch- chase championships. He That team, that first installment of the Laker team was with Shaq. The only guy that stayed over was Derek Fisher. The second uh, back-to-back was Pau Gasol and a whole other crew, and, yeah. he, and he still won. So it shows his greatness uh, to stay with one franchise and to, to go back-to-back with two different, basically two different versions of the team. It's incredible stuff, incredible stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, brother. I think on that we're gonna let you get going to you prepare for your somber uh show that starts at eight o'clock. Are you gonna go switch into yep. the, the black shirt and the black hat? <laughs> I, might, I might have to, man. I might have to. I, I, I chose the red because uh, my heart is bleeding. So I'm, I might just <laughs> go from there. All but right. I, I, before I get out of here though, I do have to say this. I yeah, man. absolutely love this show the fact that you guys do not just stick to just football y'all jump over to hockey 
to baseball to basketball to bo- like you guys hit everything. This is I don't even call it underrated because it's not underrated. It's a great show and two great freaking hosts. These two guys up here, legit, legit. So and I, and I love that you guys invite me out to this thing. Yo, where's your where's your that's what you need, man. Unsportsman like convo with Brock and Pep. Mucho bueno, man. You guys are amazing. My man, it's been awesome having you on. And I know that your sports knowledge does not limit you to the Buffalo Bills and to the NFL. So we'll definitely be calling to get you back on. And especially when the COVID rules drop, we get back on the patio and stuff like that. We'll we'll hit that up, have a beer, and talk some more sports. But we love when you come on every single time. We appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you, guys. All right. Have a great show. You too. All right. Again, even in mourning, you know, he's got such a positive outlook of where the Bills are going to be going. Um, And, you know, I hope that – I hope they do make the right moves in the offseason. You know, a little bit more from the the Super Bowl, we had a couple comments in terms of – you know, scheme-wise and stuff like that. So Scott Endicott talks about Tampa's D isn't perfect, but it's a stingy unit. They'll give Mahomes trouble. In my opinion, TB defensive front will make the difference in this game. And he goes on to say, so he's having a bit of a chat with uh, Mr. Ferreira on uh, Facebook and um, bringing up the fact that uh, he thinks they'll double-team Tyreek and, and Kelsey, which I've already brought up. And he also brought up a point where Eric Fisher tore his Achilles on Sunday and he's out for the Super Bowl. And I brought that up, I think, with you. That's a huge deal. When you start having, again, a JPP and a Shaq Barrett on either side, they're clearly getting pressure up. They're going to be faced with some of the stuff that Green Bay had faced with in terms of backup offensive linemen. The difference is that Green Bay didn't scheme to help alleviate any of that pressure. So JPP's pressure and Shaq's pressure is not going to be because Mahomes is standing at four and a half, five yards, uh, waiting to throw exactly. the ball like Rodgers was. They're going to have Tyreek Hill running across, Hardman coming to you know chip. They're going to have Kelsey knocking one. They think it's a double team. He's going to scooch out. Like The scheme yep. is going to alleviate a lot of pressure from the offensive line's responsibilities. And that's what Casey yep. does so damn well that Green Bay just didn't do. And I think uh, I did, to Scott's point, though, and I actually, you know, as I was giving my prediction, I'm like, God, you know what? Tampa's defense has shown up. I mean, to go out and beat the Saints and then to go and out and beat Green Bay in Green Bay, you know, I think they, they, they're going to be stingy. But can they be stingy enough? And when you play Kansas City, it's a track meet. And you got to take – it's like punch for punch. And if the minute they land two to your one, it's over. You, you can't catch up with them. And I don't know if – I mean, Tom's been playing good football, but by his standards, he hasn't played great football. That's the same so, with Breeze, and they just beat Breeze, and then Tom didn't have a great game. Rodgers didn't have a great game against Tampa Bay either. And you think, is it the Tampa Bay defense that's making these you know, all-time quarterbacks look pedestrian, or is it just Breeze is older and he's not making the right reads, Rodgers, I don't know, he's coming up to free agency maybe, or he's trying to get a new deal and something else. And I don't know, I lost a lot of, I don't want to say respect, but maybe that's what it is. Like, I just – Rodgers didn't scream confidence to me uh, in that game, and I expected a lot more from him during that game against Tampa Bay, and I never felt it. 
and it's all well you know what to another i mean again i'm just playing devil's advocate i don't they don't have a ton they really don't have a ton they on paper they just they don't i mean tanyan and lazard and these guys these guys are who are these guys i mean Devontae adams is legit like the bet maybe the best receiver in football but after that it's aaron jones who didn't play very well he fumbled the ball a couple times i, I just i wasn't impressed with what they have I think Rodgers does the most with the least. I really do. I think he's uh, for sure. They, he does. You know, I mean, they're they're not that talented outside of their offensive line. B, don't you think? Yeah, you know, I really, really, you're right. Like their run game is pretty good. Aaron Jones went out, I think, fairly early in that game, um, which is a, a pretty big component in their run game, but also in their pass game. I felt like the scheme wise in the first quarter, Rodgers was sitting back there and the pressure was just getting to him. And they were just trying to make these deep throws. And then in the second quarter, they started to call stuff that was a bit more tailored to, okay, our offensive line is not holding these guys for four seconds. Let's dump it. Let's get, you know, the, the hitches to, to Adams yeah. where he's getting 14, 15 yards. we got the running back sneaking out. Like these smaller, shorter passes that keep the ball moving, get the defensive front tired and gives their offensive line a bit of a break to say, you know what, I don't have to hold this guy for five. And then they're moving the ball. They score a couple times. And then in the third, when they come back out, you think, okay, let's continue with this sort of scheme. Let's help our offensive line. But instead, they go back to the drop, uh, mm. the straight drop. And then it's just feeding time for those two guys on, on the Bucks defensive line. So, I don't know. I blame a lot on the coaching. You know, again, there's a lot to be made of the, um, you know, there was a fourth interception that uh, the Green Bay secondary had dropped on Brady that would have been... A, a fairly significant change of possession. Yeah. And then the third down play where, you know, again, you freeze frame it. I remember yelling at the TV to run the ball because he has a lane. He has a lot of open space to get there. Does he get in the end zone? Maybe not. But mm -hmm. in my opinion, he's down at the, you know, fourth and two, fourth and one from there. But instead, he throws it across his body kind of to Adams, who's at the goal line with two guys on him, because Tampa's going to take away your best weapon. The thing is, Tampa can't do that to Hill and Kelsey and uh, Edwards Hilaire or Le'Veon Bell, who's there, whoever, and can't do it to, you know, Hardman. And there's just so many weapons on Kansas City that Pringle, you can't. Pringle. Pringle. Pringle you can't Pringle's take awesome. anything. Yeah, you just can't take it all away. So, yeah. You know, that's just where the numbers is just not going to add up. But with Green Bay, that's what they did. They doubled Adam. Here's Adams a, didn't have a lot of space to move around. Did you hear that hot take? I heard, well, today, obviously, the, the organization and Rodgers both say, look, the organization said, we're not idiots. We're not going to trade Rodgers. He's likely going to come back next year. And Rodgers is like, uh, he's like, nothing's a certainty, but I'm pretty sure I'm coming back. So I think we can... Yeah. We can put to rest the idea of him going anywhere for at least for next year. He but he addressed that on the point. Pat McAfee show, and you know they talked about it. He's just like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like, I came out. It's like 15 minutes after you know we're crying in the locker room for losing, and yada yada. And they're asking about like future, and he's like, the only thing I know for sure is that there are no sure things in this league. You know, you never know where you're going to end up or what's going to happen. So, yeah, he's like, I you know I, sh I have a potential MVP season. I throw 48 touchdowns, have whatever. So you think you're safe, but, you know, you just never know in this, in this business. And, yeah, he's right. Uh, I want to give him a plug because he said that he didn't know that LaFleur was going to want to kick the field goal. He said had he have known – on the third down play that if we don't get this, we're kicking a field goal, he'd have run. So he's kind of flipped it on LaFleur, 
And then, you know, the whole thing, the whole doesn't thing make any sense to me under the bus. Sure. Lafleur, that was a bad call. Ultimately it's your decision. Bad call for Rogers to say, I would have ran it for maybe six or seven yards. Had I known we were going in on four on fourth down, but instead, or had I known we were kicking a field goal instead, I'm going to throw it in a double coverage and say, you know what? We're going to take a fourth and 12 again. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Run the ball. If you can run the ball and get six or seven yards, take that. If you're going for it on fourth down, now it's a fourth and five. There is no, there's no rationale that says, nah, I'm going to throw this ball away because we're going to go for it again. So I want, uh, I want 12 yards back instead of being at the five. That's insane to me. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought it was peculiar. I thought it was just two guys who kind of throwing each other under the bus. And it's, That's my new buzzer. I got <laughs> yeah. a new buzzer sound. That's a buzzer for Aaron Rodgers. I love it. I love <sighs> it. Anyway, I'm not concerned. I, they're gonna they'll patch it up. I think they just need to get again. They need to get another weapon outside of Adams. I mean, they're really. Uh, Tanyan had a good year. Lazard, but I mean, who are we talking about here? They had good years because Aaron Rodgers had to go to somebody else. It's just exactly. you have to go to somebody else. But he made a plug for Diggs last year. Ended up in Buffalo. So I don't know if he's scorned by that and he's not going to make a push for somebody else because they talked about him pushing for uh, Kenny Stills, I think it was. And he was like, no, last time I pushed for somebody, he ended up in Buffalo. So it was kind of like, I don't know, there's a lot of, I don't know, it just, you know, they talk about him being maybe not a team player and maybe he's not, I don't know. But it seems like he's scorned and like, well, I pushed for Diggs and they they didn't get him. So now I'm just not going to push for anybody and say, I'll just deal with whatever I got. It's been weird since Favre. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I've always since the day since Favre moved on and Rodgers took over. It's been it's just I can't pinpoint it. It's just something off. He does have a Super Bowl in, in 2010, but I mean, uh, he should have more with the talent with the uh, with the success he's had on the defenses he's had. I mean, I, I thought maybe at least one or two more Super Bowls. But anyway, he'll be back next year. They'll reload and see what happens. Um, B, we're gonna hit some headlines, but we got to pay. Some bills. Pay I'm some gonna, bills. I'm going yeah, to let you take the reins on this again. All right. Hey, uh, for those who are looking for a mortgage, the mortgage rates right now are at an all-time low. So if you have a mortgage and you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to finally buy your, your first home, uh, looking to move and, and compete rates, by all means, give these guys a call at ottawamortgageshop.com. Uh, reach out to my man, Eric at 613-899-5131. Uh, he's got 40 different lenders to choose from. He's going to customize the, the best solution for your needs. Um, nothing but five-star service from these guys. Make sure that when you call and you speak to Eric and he answers, yeah, hello, how'd you hear about us? Brock and Peps on Sportsman Like Convo sent me to you to get the best mortgage rate in Ottawa. And I guarantee you, he will do everything he can to actually live up to the best mortgage rate in Ottawa. Love OttawaMortgageShop.com. Love it. All right, let's get to some headlines. Let's. Headlines with Brock and Pep. All right, all right, all right. All right. A lot of hype going into the hockey season for the Sens. They took a 7-1 drubbing last night to a struggling Vancouver team. Now they Sens it at 1-4-1. Reasons for concern. You're asking me for reasons of concern? Or you're just telling me we have reason to be concerned? concerned? Yeah. 
hundred percent. You lose seven to one to any team. I don't care who it is. There's a reason to be concerned. You know, it's uh, it's still a you know a young team. There's a lot of components on there that are still trying to figure out playing with each other and and um, and gelling. And uh, you know, we can chalk it up to that. But there's nobody sitting on the looking inside and saying, "Well, we're surprised that Ottawa's last in this Northern Division." You know, it, it was to be expected. So they really have nothing, no pressure. It's it's expected right now. And if they can come together and, and string some wins and, and be competitive and really fight for it, but a 7-1 is not fighting for it. But, yeah, there's reason to be concerned for this season. For, for this season, for sure. A short 56-game season. Uh, every every game matters now, like your, fa- your favorite saying, because it's a short season and every game matters. You know, you can't be dropping 7-1 games to a team like Vancouver who just took a drubbing from Montreal. Anyways, I'm I'm not concerned. Like you said, it's early, but uh, who do we got here? I don't know. Did I say something wrong in terms of the the mortgage thing? It says forty lenders. Did I not say forty lenders? Forty different lenders. I think I said it right. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Quick impromptu there on the headlines. Yeah. We got our, we got a fact checker uh, just, eh, in the back. So if it's wrong, it. he'll let me know. We just talked about Aaron Rodgers, so we can skip that headline. Uh, we, I think we've just uh, exhausted that topic. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see here. Jace, what do we got? QB let's talk. Carousel. No. Deshaun Watson. All right. Let's talk. Okay. 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 Deshaun Watson says he wants to go to the Jets or Miami. He's got a no trade clause. Right. So he can, he well, can the teams. choose where he wants to go. For all intents and purposes, or at least give a, a choice. <laughs> is he looking to retire? Is he looking to get hurt? What is he looking for when you say, I want to go? If you had said, you know what? Over under odds on which teams Deshaun Watson should go to or choose to go to, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins are like 31 and 32 on the list of teams that I think that Deshaun Watson would, would choose to go to. What's the advantage for him going to the Jets or Miami? Well, well, no advantage to the Jets. None. I mean, I th- th- it doesn't make any sense to me unless there's a connection there, guys that he played with in, in college. I don't know. But why would you go to a team that has no offensive line, no weapons, no running game? I mean, Frank Gore was their leading runner. He's like 100 years old. Uh, they have no direction. I like the hire. I really do like the hire, the, the defensive coordinator from the from – the, uh, 49ers really good coaching hire yeah uh but apart from that i mean what are you going to it's a hot mess in in new york so maybe his girlfriend's from new york in new york i don't know say maybe he's got a girlfriend like his girlfriend's from new york or something or whatever he can't go for the weather he can't go for anyway you you want to go and share uh, they still share a stadium with the giants they, they do. They still share the well, Meadowlands, whatever it is. Okay, uh, again, you're sharing the stadium with somebody else. Yeah. You're like the New York stepchild, uh, redheaded stepchild of the New York Giants. Like, anyway, I don't understand why the, yeah. why the Jets. Miami, they're, yes, okay, the Miami does have glimpses of, of, of potential. You know, and if they get a couple pieces, yeah. who knows? Maybe, and you're in Miami. You know what I mean? You're down in Florida. It's great weather. It's great scenery it's uh you know the club scene once we get back to it all that kind of stuff that that makes more sense to me but uh the jets have no idea now from a houston perspective who would offer more like what would be the better 
return on a Deshaun Watson from New York or from Miami? Well, I think, you know, if you're giving up Sam Darnold and uh, nobody's giving up their second or second, they pick second overall, I believe. The Jets have the second pick. Miami has the third pick. Miami's third pick is Houston's. There's no way Miami's giving up Tua and a third. There's no way. But if if Darnold in a second is available for Watson, I mean, that's the one that, you know, you got to do if you're New York. Um, if you're if you're Miami, you know, Tua and the number 20 pick, now well, let's have a conversation. But you're not giving up Tua and your th- and a third. Forget it. There's, there's that's, that's just not happening. There's talk that you know, whether it's in the locker room, I don't know if it comes from front office or not, but there's talk of Miami and people in the Miami organization that do not feel like Tua is the guy of the future. And maybe they're off of that. And they say, you know what? Yeah, we can give up our third and Tua for Deshaun Watson, who has had top three, top two quarterback seasons in the NFL. Um, You know, without a, well, I mean, Hopkins he's had for most of the time, but you know, it, he's proven himself in the league. Is it not worth it for a team like Miami to say, yeah, okay, you know what, if we don't think this is the guy, he goes there, he gets a fresh start, they get our third pick, we get Deshaun Watson. Maybe somebody yeah. else comes with them. Maybe J.J. Watt goes with them. But, but there's there's other teams that need quarterbacks. I mean, the Saints aren't set. Yeah, I don't think the Saints are, are set with Winston or, or Taysom Hill. I mean, it makes sense. that they're Taysom Hill's not a quarterback, guys. people. But he's not a quarterback, exactly. So, I mean, there's that team. There's the Steelers, depending on what Ben decides this offseason. The Broncos, that's an intri- intriguing team right now. Do the now. Steelers the push Big Ben to make a decision knowing that Deshaun Watson is on the table or is available, but they're, they're only going to be able to snag him if Ben doesn't come back because he's not going to come back right. and play in a backup role. Ben's not coming back to play in a backup role. Look, Do you push not, that to say, the, hey. The, what they're doing with – what they're doing with Ben Roethlisberger is exactly what the Lakers did with Kobe Bryant. They're giving him the old two-year, uh, thank you for all the memories contract. Here's as much money as you want, and when you're ready to go, you go on on your own terms. It's oh. exactly what they're doing with him. Whether it's right or wrong, he's he was loyal to the city, and they're loyal to him. And it's just that's just how it's going to be. This just in, Pep. Uh, it just came across the thing. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is not Kobe Bryant in any sense of the word. <laughs> So, you know, well, rest in peace, Kobe. Apologize for being put in the same breath as Ben well, Roethlisberger. No, well, no. Uh, easy now. I, I beg to differ. Watching him his whole career, the guy's given up his body. I mean, he's going to be – his second half of his life is going to be painful. I mean, he's had, the amount of injuries he's had, he's given up. He's been a pretty decent guy on, in the media, in the locker room. Certainly from the – Not optics, Kobe Bryant. Exactly Kobe Bryant in all those facets is on another level – uh, even Michael Jordan is not anywhere near Kobe Bryant from an off basketball court standpoint. Kobe Bryant so who, was uh, a, like is a wonderful human being. You know what I mean? I guess that's for me. It's just like he not only was he arguably you know the top two three players to ever play the game, which Ben's not, but also from uh, a standpoint of being just a classy human being from start to finish uh, on and off the court and whatever. I, I maybe whatever, maybe I'm holding him in too high regard, but I think Colby fits into that, that category. And he, he's almost by himself in a lot of that stuff. 
Yeah, for sure. But it, again, and you're talking to a guy who's biased, right? Steeler fan. I, I haven't missed a Roethlisberger game in his whole career. So I've watched every single game. He's never done anything on the field to embarrass the franchise. Yeah. A- aside from having bad games, which is normal. Yeah, yeah. Everyone does. But, but on the field, he's been nothing but class. Like, so, you know, it's it's hard for me to – it's really hard. I, I have a hard time when he takes criticism on the field because, really, he's had some r- crazy games. I mean, he might hold two of the three highest passing games uh, in the history of the NFL – that nobody ever ever saw because it was on a Sunday at one o'clock. So I mean that, but that's stuff that I, as a true fan, you watch. Yeah. Just like you know, you could probably pull out some stats from the from the Gators that I'll never know. So I mean that for me. Is, and I don't like don't take it as being criticized. Like it's not criticizing Ben as much as it is the uh, a compliment and holding Colby in a, in a in a higher regard. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you could be good player, a great player, a good person, all that kind of stuff, but still not live up to Kobe. You know what I mean? In, in some of those, in some of those senses. And I think that's, that's my point. Again, it's, it's don't take it as a negative of being like, well, Ben's not whatever. It's just, it's reality. It's just Kobe is that much more, I guess. That'd be an interesting, you know, it'd be an interesting comparison. I think Kobe would be more the Tom Brady, like, uh, or the like, the guys who've won championships and played a long time. I think it, that'd be sort of a different, uh, a different category. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Um, okay, we're boy, we're time flies. Eh, when we're having fun. I know, I know, I know. Hopefully, uh, our listeners are having as much fun as we are. The next, should we talk about the Jays? We want to get. Do we want to get into the Jays? Uh, yeah, let's touch Jays and then we'll call it a day because the Jays just signed, uh, had a big signing right before we got on the show, basically. Marcus Simeon. Shortstop out of Oakland. One year, $18 million. So that now brings them, they signed him. They got uh, Springer in, as the outfield. I can't remember what his salary is, but it's it's significantly more than $18 million. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought it interesting that Simeon being a shortstop, you know, I thought Bichette had cut kind of locked down. So where does that leave him? Or what is that? What is our starting thought, defensive lineup, our best starting defensive lineup look like now if we have him? Yeah, they're going to move Simeon to third. Uh, they Bichette are, will okay. stay at, uh, at shortstop. Bichette will play second. Or, uh, sorry, Biggio. And they'll probably platoon Vladdy at, uh, at DH uh, and first base. And, and first. I think that'll be that'll be all set. Barring any other trades, it looks like the Real Muto, the, the number one rated catcher, re-signed with the Phillies, so he's off the books. Uh, they're looking at James Paxton to bring him in, which I, I would love. Canadian guy, too, no less. But uh, that's where I think we'll see the infield set. The outfield, we're probably going to look at... Um, Grichik, Springer, and uh, T. Oscar uh, platooning with Guriel. I think we'll see that that platoon. So that now they have they're low they're deep they're deeper than they were. They can withstand an injury or two. Um, I like I like what they're doing. It's a it's a really good offseason. Like Yannick Zingra had wrote, wrote written on our page earlier. They just they just go out and get an arm or two, and we're all set. And if I can say this, the Blue Jays have a lot of money. They've been playing this like we're a small market team uh, uh, narrative for years, and they're not a small market team. They're a big, they're a huge market. They, yes, it's a Canadian team. Yes, the money's different taxes. We know all that, but it's it's serious. They, they've got a ton of money, a ton of money. They got to spend it. They've been sitting on it for a couple of years. So, I mean, they've got there's more money to spend if they want. There's there's other guys out there. 
Well, what's it say? So uh, our fact checker, Curtis, in the background, it's six years, 150 for Springer. But the one year 18, I guess from that standpoint, what is that saying from a management's perspective to the team or to fan base to say, we're bringing him in. We got another piece. We're signing him for a one year 18 million. Is that saying they're trying to go for it this year and we're, we should expect some more signees? Or, you know, how do you interpret that? Because for me, especially in baseball, like one-year deals are, um, you know, they're not far and few between, but they're, they're very much indicative of we're trying to make a push this year. And mm-hmm. then he wants to, you know, explore free agency or explore an American team or something like that after this year. But I'm just wondering how you interpreted that. You see one-year contracts usually with guys who are coming off big injuries, and they've get the, here's your year to sort of see what you got. Like Travis Shaw, right? Sign him for a year, didn't work out. He's uh, he's gone. You don't. There's nothing long-term attached to him. Marcus Simeon, I think, is a, a one-year deal. I'm surprised Marcus Simeon agreed to a one-year deal, but by offering him one year, they could have pay, they pay him a little bit more. So it's like here, buddy, we'll we'll pay you 18 mil instead of you signing somewhere two years, 10 mil, and it doesn't work out, but you're stuck there for two years. The second thing it, it says to the organization is Jordan Groshans and Austin Martin are close. So they don't want to commit to anybody too long because when those guys are ready, that's their position. Jordan Groshans specifically, he's been attached to every trade rumor this offseason, and he didn't get dealt. That's how highly they think of him. So that tells me that they're just ready to make him the next, the heir apparent at third. So it's a great sign. Marcus Simeon is, is a great glove. He's also a very good bat. Um, it's a great signing. It, it's an under the radar, really good signing. So I'm I'm ex- I'm ex- I'm super excited. They're spending some money and they're getting some names in. Is he a guy that can uh, come in and provide a bit of leadership and guidance for the younger groups that are there? Is absolutely. he fit that bill? He's, yeah, absolutely. Especially in the infield where they're where they were there, they were lacking leadership last mm-hmm. year. Like Travis Shaw's not a rah rah guy. He's not going to lead you on, in the infield. He's not even that good. So. Now you've got a veteran in the infield to go with these kids, calm everybody down. We saw them just basically unravel against the uh, the Tampa Bay uh, Rays in the playoffs, that one game where they made an, a Bichette made two errors. Now you got a veteran guy, hey, calm down. Ball goes this way, you go this way. You need that. And Springer's going to do the same thing in the outfield. Gritchett, Gritch, not a rah-rah guy. T. Oscar, he's a quiet guy, and Gurriel's just learning the position. So now you got a leader in the outfield. You're, you're set up the middle. My concerns for the Jays as we speak right now is one more arm and catcher. I'm not sold on, on Danny Jansen's uh, overall game, although he's a, he calls a good game, but his bat's just too hot and cold. And, uh, and up the middle, they need one more arm. You know, uh, we, some, a lot of people think catchers, and maybe they go under the radar a bit more of the importance that they bring to a game. I played baseball in this men's league here for years with our producer, Mike, and a bunch of guys. And the catcher on our team, Andrew Herlihy, who, when he's there at the game playing catcher, it's a completely different ball game. Not only is the the game called nicely, he's got a very good mind for it. He's got a cannon from behind the the plate, or he used to before he had a shoulder injury, where guys wouldn't steal on him. You know, the ball's not going to be... Uh, past him because he'll block it. He also organizes the whole thing. It's just I have a new appreciation when I watch baseball and I watch what the catchers do and how um, how important they are to the game. And it's it's because of guys like Andrew where I was just like, oh, my goodness, there is a complete 180 when you're behind the plate and when you're not there. And, um, you know, that often goes unnoticed. So if we can get a catcher that we – is Molina signed already? 
Uh, he, I, I, no, I don't, I don't know. I'm sur- actually that, with the Cardinals. You mean? Yeah, wasn't he a free agent? I, at I one don't point? know. He, he was. Yeah, I'm not sure if they've resigned him or not. He'd be a great pickup for again another maybe a year or two. Yeah, to, to settle in, see what you have in Alejandro Kirk. Um, again, just buy in time for somebody in the minors. Yeah, that'd be a great pick. I love to see him come in, and if we can land Paxton and bring that uh, uh, the Maple Boy back, whatever you call him, there he's got the Maple tattoo on his arm. Pitched a no hitter, I think, against the Jays with when he was with he Seattle, didn't he? And uh, I found out that the Jays actually drafted him in two thousand like nine or something like that, and then he ended yeah. up not coming to an agreement and got drafted again the second year uh, to Seattle. But um, I mean, yeah, he's. Uh, He's an arm I wouldn't mind getting back. And, and again, when as a Canadian kid, I want to see them do well and, and, and help the Canadian team do well. If they can roll out Paxton, I mean, if they sign Paxton, I, I just I don't I want them to stay away from Masahiro Tanaka, the, the, the starter for the Yankees. He has shoulder issues. He has an elbow that he won't surgically repair. He refuses to get the surgery. He's like, I'm just going to play my career through this. If I get the surgery, I'll be out for a, a full calendar year. I don't know how good I'll be when I come back. So he just refuses to get the, get the surgery. He can play through it, apparently. I don't know why. But I'd stay away from him, and I would focus on Paxton. Uh, Taiwan Walker, the, the, the guy they picked up midseason last year. I mean, he's still out there. You know, he knows the system. He knows he pitched really well. Mm-hmm. Maybe take a shot at him again. But... You know, it's going to be it's going to be Ryu and Nate Pearson. I mean, we're looking one and one A, and Nate Pearson's ready to rumble. He was ranked number one prospect this year, uh, top of the list. So, I mean, he's clearly you know he touches 103 on the gu- on the gun. So the guy the guy's going to be your number two. So, and he got a little experience last year. Uh, what was coming yeah. in and how he's going to do it? Uh, confirm Molina is a current free agent. Thank you, Curtis. Um, so yeah, I would love to see the Jays go after a guy like that. Um, that if nothing else, he plays even half the games, but, uh, is also like a, a player coach type thing from the bullpen and, um, you know, really make sure that the guys know what's going on. Again, I think the Jays really missed leadership last year more than anything else. The young talent is there. And, you know, you mentioned those other guys that are coming up. So they have the potential of being very good and very young for a few years together, but you can't just have all young guns. You need to have the the right vets who can uh, help groom them and understand what it's like to be a professional and, and make sure they're doing the right things and, and uh, the right mentalities and that. So hopefully these guys not only are the value that we pay for them on the field, but also, above that within the locker room. And, I, you know, it's, there's something to be said about, I mean, it seems like every sport, you know, you're building right up the middle and you build from the middle out. Like, you know, look at hockey, your goalie, uh, your defenseman and centerman, you build from the middle out. And, you know, that's why I was happy for a guy like Corey Perry, who, who you know, um, is signed with the Montreal Canadiens. You know, uh, uh, he can play center. He's a leader on a young team and it's working. So the Jays, you know, a lot, a lot, the same lines is like they just needed some veteran guys. Like you said last year, they could have really benefited from somebody not named Travis Shaw. I just thought that you know they took a chance on Shaw. To, he'd have a comeback year, but he's just not that raw, raw guy in the. Uh, I think they missed Smoke. I think last year they could have used the J- Justin Smoke. Yeah, um, you know, as a leader in the clubhouse for sure. But um, anyway, live and learn. I think they're doing a good job this year, this off season, having well, a good off season. Just like the Jays, and during this COVID break, I too am building up the middle. Um, so <laughs> we got uh, one question here. Are we still loving Montoya uh, as the, uh... <laughs> what? MF is Mike Ferreira, by the way. Yes. And it's uh, Montoya. 
Uh, I just think Montoya. Who's that? Uh, who's that? Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> I get that clip for next time. Yeah, please do. Uh, we still love in Montoya. Good question. Do you, what, Mark? You want to handle that? I don't know. Uh, I don't mind him. I don't mind him. Again, if the the players play for him, he seems to be. Uh, you know, players I, love him. Yeah, which is important. You know, you have guys, and you know, I can speak to it where I've had coaches that I just don't want to play for. Uh, you don't have that that relationship, and that could really affect playing time, especially when there's younger kids. It's not uh, they still. You know, they've been playing for the love of the game forever. They're finally making money, but they still have that love. It's not, and I'm not saying that old vets don't have that love. It's just a different, they understand the professionalism and that it's a business and that they can kind of separate some of that. I think from a, a young player standpoint, and there's so many young guys on the Jays, having that relationship and that trust and that like wanting part of a, a team and, and being so close and having a coach that leads like that, I think is great for what they're doing. But that also means that some of those players that like we talked about that are coming in that are more veteran will also be some of that example that um, that is needed uh, within that locker room. But I think overall, I think, yeah, I like them. I mean, hey, is there a sport that the manager does less? <laughs> I mean, I, don't, I mean, hockey, I don't even maybe I mean, hockey rolling lines, I guess. Football is a whole, you have got a whole team, really, a yeah. whole team of coaches. Uh, and basketball, I think basketball, you're really strategic. You really need to be on top of your game as a basketball coach. But but as a, as a, as a baseball coach? I, hey, I mean, for the most part, like, you, you never see them stressed. You got endless supplies of sunflower <laughs> seeds and bubble gum and chewing tobacco, whatever you want. You know, you're going to That's work right. in comfy baseball pants and, you That's know, right. well, um What's his name? The coach that was Jays before this guy? Gibby. Gibby. His interviews, <laughs> like he's on his lazy boy. His feet are up on the desk like he's writing out of an old western Texas movie. Big oil Texas oh, yeah. guys. Just, you know, just not a care in the world, you know? And the, not a care in the world. Anyway, yeah, he's good. I think, uh, I think Montoya's a good fit for now. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk Raptors next week. We keep pushing the Raptors back, but we're going to have time next week during our Super Bowl edition. We'll, we'll touch on the Raptors near the end of the show next week. But uh, let's get, you know what, we're overtime again. But yeah. That's just the way we roll. We, we got to get, we got to keep our top five. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got to do our top five. And this year, this week's top five, before you roll the graphic, it's the top five coaches of all time, NFL coaches of all time. You got yours, Brock? I do. I do. You want me to go first? The floor is yours. The floor All right. Is yours. Um, okay, so um, this was not as easy as I thought it was going to be. A lot of goodies. A lot of goodies. I got a couple of honorable mentions, which I'll do at the end. But at number five, I got Tony Dungy. Uh, he's my number five. Um, his uh, time with the Colts and, and, again, just how he conducted himself, how long he was there, how loved he was, adored he was. Tony Dungy's my number five. You got something to go? Number four, I got uh, Bill Parcells is my number four. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he coached a, a couple different places, but uh, I remember more from the Giants time there. Um, yeah. Again, a, a man who always spoke his mind, uh, which you can yeah. kind of respect, um, and obviously had some great success. Number three, I have Joe Gibbs 
with the Washington Redskins, uh, formerly the Redskins. Um, he's coached there twice. He had two stints from uh, 81 to 92, and then he was back there in 04 to 07. But he went to uh, three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks, and he was the coach for the uh, the, the Super Bowl champions when they beat uh, the Broncos with uh, Doug Williams, who was the first black quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl. Um, so I've always, uh, you know, and the Bills had lost to – Gibbs's Redskins and stuff too. Um, number two on the Bills, uh, Marv Levy is my number two. Um, you know, love that guy. Uh, that was, you know, again, my team growing up was the Buffalo Bills, going to four Super Bowls, having a lot of success, but the players just loving them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough about Marv Levy. And then number one, it's it's really hard to go against Bill Belichick. Um, you know, six Super Bowls, nine appearances. Um, you know, what he historically has done with other teams' throwaways has been probably the biggest thing that's impressed me. He just takes guys that are uh, left for dead and brings them back to life, and then they buy into his system and um, and has success with it. I did have a couple of honorable mentions. Uh, Andy Reid was just on the outside for me. I think that you know when all said and done, he might be up there uh, again yep. just for the innovative way that he's you know refacing these Chiefs. And ultimately, I think he's going to have a real big effect on the league. Uh, from an offensive standpoint and defensively, really, because they gotta they gotta figure out how to stop him. Uh, but he's right up there. And then, not for stats or anything, but uh, Jerry Glanville of the Falcons back in ninety to ninety three <laughs> was awesome to watch oh, as part of that oh. team with the dirty bird and MC hammers on the sidelines and whatever. And he, you know, big cowboy oh. boots and he was always super entertaining for, for me. So uh, again, not stat worthy or anything, but Jerry Glanville oh. was one of my favorite coaches. Oh, my blood's boiling now. <laughs> he's, he's up there with my least favorite guys, but as in terms of coaching and what he did with the whole run and shoot or whatever, that crazy offense that they had, I'll give him some credit. Um, <laughs> good list. You know what? It's funny you, you say uh, Andy Reid and, and the innovation, but, like, he's been doing it a long time. Mm-hmm. That Eagles team that made the Super Bowl in 04 or 03. Uh, 03, I can't remember what. 03 with or 04 McNabb with and those guys? McNabb. Like, that was – he did He did a lot with that team. And uh, they made a couple of NFC championships. He, he's been a good coach for a long time. I'm, I'm a big Andy guy. Big Andy guy. Andy's a big um, Andy guy. Good call with uh, he is a big good call with uh, Tony Dungy. I just slipped my mind. He's uh, one of the class guys in the mm-hmm. NFL. I love him on NBC. He he's kind of a weird mix with Rodney Harrison on that show, don't you find? <laughs> well, yeah, from a it's just like a two completely opposite personalities. You got one of. guy who's notorious for taking people's heads off, and and rules would have been <laughs> he'd have been kicked out of games every single time he played, given the rules they have today. Uh, but yeah, it's but, a little bit hey. A little oil and water. That's uh, yeah, keeps them entertaining. We should uh, we should do a top five hardest hitting safeties. I think did we ever did we do that once? I can almost do that right now. If we haven't, well, yeah, I did, I've got there's some guys. Anyways, uh, here's here are my top five coaches of all time, starting with number five, uh, Vince Lombardi. I mean, it, okay. it's a no brainer, but he had a short career. I mean, he died of cancer young, and uh, it was quick. His biggest regret was leaving Green Bay. I think they would have won a couple more had he stayed, but the stress, I mean, uh, he was obviously sick, probably didn't even know it. So uh, two Super Bowls, five titles in a row when before the NFL and AFL merged. So I'll put him at number five. He also had Super Bowl parties in his basement, I think, didn't he? The guy's a legend. Anyway. Um, 
Yeah, the guy's a legend. And the, the, the trophy's named after him. So you got to yeah, hold something. Yeah. Uh, number four, Tom Landry. Uh, 20 consecutive winning seasons, 29 seasons overall, but 20 consecutive winning seasons. He's the innovator of the Flex 4 3 defense, which uh, you don't really see much anymore. But, no, you don't. Um, you know, back when the 3 4 and 4 3 were called, were quote unquote innovative, he was, the, he was one of the innovators. Uh, and the shotgun offense started with him. Hmm. So pretty cool stuff. Uh, numbers. I have Bill Belichick at number three. Interesting. Um, you know, and I, I don't even know why. He he really should be number one <laughs> with all the amount of Super Bowls. I, hey, look, you talk about doing the most with the least. That Patriots team had nothing this year. Half their defense opted out because of COVID, and their offense was, I couldn't name you a receiver or a tight end and Cam Newton, and they still finished seven and nine. So, you know, that's a pretty great coaching job. When they get all their guys back next year, and he, they settle their quarterback situation and maybe find a weapon or two. I mean, Buffalo, it's not – this New England era is not over. But anyway, I is digress. Stafford on the uh, hot list for uh, the Patriots at all? No, eh? Who? Stafford? Yeah. It would make sense. Anyway. Jimmy G. Well, look. Ugh. I think he's proven Jimmy, himself I mean, St- that he deserved to have been cut or released, traded, or whatever. Well, but a Stafford's Stafford. been um, – he's been attached to some 49er rumors – which would make Jimmy G, who was Belichick's guy to begin with, you know, make sense to have a reunion there. I also I heard he Anyways, was uh, around the Colts, too, which I thought was a good fit. Obviously, they have all the pieces there. Anyway, that's for another time. Exactly. Okay, sorry. Uh, my number two coach of all time is Don Shula, uh, largely right. because he, he succeeded in, like, four different eras. It's, it's crazy how much success this guy had. And his teams, those that 14-0 Dolphins team, still the best team in history. Uh, ran the ball. They had three running backs who all ran for a thousand yards. Have you ever heard of that before? Three running backs. So his system. I think in the Super Bowl that year, Bob Greasy threw like ten passes. Then he f- fast forward to Dan Marino era. He changed his entire philosophy and still won. So Don Shula for me is like I would have put him almost number one. But my number one has to be Chuck Knoll. Four Super Bowls in six years. A long career. He drafted Lambert and Bradshaw and all the guys. Those, all those Hall of Fame guys. He to- he came in in his rookie season and said, half of you guys suck. You're not going to be on the team this summer. So just letting you know, we suck, and you're- I'm going to draft a bunch of guys to replace you. So, you know, 30 years of Chuck Knoll. And my honorable mentions, uh, you named a couple Bill, pa- Bill Parcells. Bill Walsh, the innovator of the West Coast yeah. offense. So this uh, extension run by-, by the running game through the pass is really his innovation and the Roger Craig. Um, Joe Gibbs I had, Andy Reid I had. Mike Holmgren I, is, was, was a really, really good coach. I'm surprised he's not coaching anymore. Um, Marty Schottenheimer doesn't get a lot of credit, but, I mean, that guy led some really, really talented teams in San Diego. Just too conservative was the book on him. Dick Vermeil cried Vermeil. at every press conference. Yep, I figured you <laughs> and, Go ahead. And I Mike figured. Ditka. And Mike Ditka. Yeah. Just cause, so just because, just because Matt Blood. So you got a top five, and you got fourteen honorable mentions. That's that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> and I think other than well, Bill Walsh was on honorable mention. I'm trying to think of who. Well, Belichick, I guess, but nobody else. I was really old enough to pay attention to from a coaching perspective. Uh, those top five. So for me, again, when we do the top fives, I'm generally going to be doing it based on what I've seen and what I've experienced being a football fan for the last, whatever, 42 years of my life. Um, but Well, that's it. And just to preface that, sorry, just to 
before I lose my train of thought, I, that's how I feel. Like, other than Vince Lombardi, all the other guys I actually physically saw as a kid watching and, you know, you get those fuzzy, fuzzy memories. Uh, J- Jerry Glanville in 1989, he beat the Steelers, and one of his players tried to take out Bobby Brister at the knee. It was a home game. When they shook hands in the middle of the field, Chuck Noll grabbed, grabbed him and said, you're going to pay for this. You're gonna, and the Steelers weren't very good. Um, he said, you're going to pay for this. I don't know who, if it's going to be us or it's going to be another team, but you'll see. You're, you keep doing this stuff with your team, and you're, you're going to get it. They ended up meeting. Pittsburgh somehow qualified for the wild card, and they ended up meeting in Houston, and Pittsburgh beat them. And when they shook hands in the middle of the field, like Chuck Noll gave him the old, you know, I told you so, get the hell out of my face before I knock you out. So that's, my, that's why I have a disdain for Jerry Glanville. This is why I like Jerry Glenn. Was it Dirty Bird? Is that what they were doing or whatever? Or what the? <laughs> I wish I had an MC Hammer song to go out to just for the Jerry Glanville of like 91 or whatever it was, 92 with Dion. And, uh, yeah. Anyway. The Dirty Bird was Jamal Anderson. That was like Dan Reeves just a few years oh, no, later. It was, was it this? Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> it was awesome. It was fun to watch. Great uniforms. I was a huge Deion Sanders fan, so I was watching those Falcons uh, quite a bit, and they had a pretty good uh, run for a little while there when Glanville was there. But, um, yeah, he was running that show like it was, you know, again, the Wild West, just letting them do whatever they want. Any final words? You know what? Uh, Rest in peace, Kobe. I mean, it still bothers me to this day. Is going to give me chills? I remember driving home hearing the news on the radio and then just being sort of a little bit shook about it because of things like what he was doing after his career with the, with the basketball league and the camps and like, and getting that photograph from my buddy, I really like kind of threw me for a loop. So that's creepy. um, You know, it's, it still hurts. Uh, The basketball community lost a good one. So. Yeah. uh, Agreed. All right. So we're going out to uh, Nas and Lauren Hill. If I were the world, Uh, I heard that the other day. It's uh what a, a great song. Make sure you guys you. check out uh, the UC merch um, with uh, Mega City Promotions. Email them. You can get any, any swag you want. Make sure you check out our podcast. Subscribe to it. You can re-listen to these episodes on there. And we're going to start doing uh, extra interviews outside of this show that will be on the podcast as well. So make sure you tune in and subscribe. We appreciate all you guys sticking around. I know we went a little bit long this time, but again... Time flies when you're having a good time. Pep, I want to thank you, Curtis and, and Mike in the background there, uh, making this thing work and roll. Appreciate it. And uh, have yourselves a great Tuesday evening. If Coke was cooked without the garbage, we'd all have the top dollars. Imagine everybody flashing, fashion, designer clothes, lacing your click up with diamond rolls. Your people holding dough, no parole, no rubbers. Going raw, imagine law with no undercovers. Just some thoughts for the mind. I take a glimpse into time, watch the blimp read, the world is mine. If I rule the world, imagine that. I free all my In these last days until we to be paradise life relaxing black latino and anglo-saxon the money exchange the range cash lost tribes your bath free at last brand new whips to crash then we laugh in the illa path the villa houses for the crew how we do trees for breakfast dime sexes have been stretches so many years of depression make me vision the better living type of place to raise kids in opening eyes to the lies history's told foul but i'm as wise as the old owl plus the gold child seeing things like i was controlling click rolling 
Tricking six digits on kicks and still holding trips to Paris. I civilized every savage. Give me one shot, I turn tripe life to lavish. Political prisoners set free, stress free. No work release, purple M3s and jet skis. Feel the wind breeze in West Indies. I think Coretta Scott King, mayor the cities in reverse beans to Willies. It sound foul, but every girl I meet to go downtown. I'd open every cell in Attica, send them to Africa. Imagine that. Making moves in Atlanta back and forth scrambler Cause you can have all the chips Be poor or rich Still nobody want a nigga have a shit If I rule the world and everything in it Sky's the limit I push the Q45 infinite It wouldn't be no such thing as jealousies or be felony Strictly living longevity to the destiny I thought I'd never see but reality struck Better find out before your time's out What the fuck yeah. the fuck? If I rule 